0: and do not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. God. Yeah, you can take your seats. Sorry if you normally go to first service, uh, our members of our church plant, um, it seems crowded out the first service. So (laughs) if you adjusted for us, I appreciate it. We're uh, trying to plant a church up in the Woodman Powers area town. And doing similar things that you guys are doing here. I uh, listened to a sermon Vince preached last week where he talked about authentic unity, being authentic, being real. And we've got a a value at our church, Waypoint Church, called being open and honest. Same same deal, trying to be open about who we are, trying to redefine normal as being pretty broken and messed up. And beginning to, to share with other people about that mess, being comfortable to do that. But it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To be fully honest about that. Well, in some ways, this is the, um, what Jesus is addressing in this short passage in Luke. He's talking to this group of religious people who are struggling being authentic. They're struggling being open and honest about themselves. See, the verse before this, he calls them hypocrites. They're people who say one thing, but they're doing another thing. And his main point to this group is he's saying, you can't hide that for long. Your fruits, your actions are gonna reveal it eventually. What you believe, what's going on in your heart is gonna come out. You can say all you want, but your actions give you away. That's what he's trying to get into this crowd. So I had my um, annual doctor's checkup uh, about a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple days ago. It was pretty recent. And I put on a few extra pounds uh, since the last time I was there. And the doctor said, you know, not, nothing too concerning. Just make sure you're eating well and you're exercising regularly and you can bring that down. He said, how are you doing in those areas? I was like, well, I'm pretty conscious about the things that I'm eating. And, and I work out about three times a week. And like as I was saying it, as the words were coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Now I'm justifying it in my mind. Well, you know, I said about three times a week or... Now, I want to be a kind of person who works out three times a week. That's what the doctor really wants to know, right? My actions revealed the truth. I said one thing, it's hard, but my, but my actions revealed the truth of the matter. The scale revealed the truth of the matter there. We don't always communicate honestly about ourselves, but our actions are more honest um, about who we are. So, why do we struggle with this? There's really just a disconnect. I think we all feel the tension. There are things we want to do. I want to be the guy who goes to the gym more frequently, but I don't do it. There's a, we want to do things and we don't do it. We're all wrestling with this. I want to use social media less, but I want to kind of veg out in bed before I fall asleep. I want to go on a diet, but I also really like eating good things. I want to work out in the morning, but I also don't like doing hard things in the morning. So which do you want? Do you want to do these good things for you or do you want to take a break from them? Well, your actions reveal, right, what the the thing was that you truly wanted to do. Our actions just make that perfectly clear. That's what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about the fruit of the tree expressing itself. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bushes. Your actions give you up. Jesus is giving one of these guys this is obvious messages. And then he gets real direct with a specific thing with this crowd in verse 46. He says, So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You say you're my followers, but you're not following. You say you're my disciples. But you're not learning. You say, I'm your Lord, but you're not doing what I say. A Lord has authority over his subjects. Subjects owe obedience to their Lord. So he's saying to the crowd, you can call me Lord all you want, but your actions give you away. You can almost hear the crowd saying, no, you're our Lord. And Jesus is just like, no, you're not following me. I'm not your Lord. And then he tries to show them it's, it's deeper than just their behavior. It's deeper than just their obedience or lack of obedience. That is just a sign. That is just an expression of what's going on deeper, something within. That's why after the thornbush fig illustration, he applies it to the people there by saying, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Your mouth speaks out of the heart, your actions, your thoughts, the things you say, the things you do come out of our heart, he's saying. So here's some examples, how our beliefs cause our actions. And not just what we know, but what we believe in the moment. So why would somebody buy a lottery ticket? Well, you believe there's a chance you're gonna win, a good enough chance it was worth the money. If you don't believe there's a chance in a million years, you don't buy the ticket. You know, we might know statistics about it, but it's what's going on inside people's hearts, the belief that caused the action. So I could find out what everybody here believes about lottery tickets by just finding out whether or not you buy them or not. Or another example, this one's for the introverts out there. I uh, have had this conversation with myself a million times where you say, I really know, I really believe I'm going to have a great time at that party. I'm going (laughs) to enjoy it. And then... Fast forward to Friday at 9 p.m., and I'm watching Netflix on the couch. Did I really believe I was going to have a good time at that party? No. I would have went, right? (laughs) My actions betray me. So when my friends say, oh, you really would have had a good time, and I respond, yeah, I know, I would have. I really believe I would have. No, I didn't. I would have went. Or maybe you know alcohol is not going to solve your problems, but... When your problems start to crowd in, that's where you turn. What do you truly believe then? Or you know intimacy within marriage is what's best for you, and God really does have what's best for you in mind when he said that, but what does it say about your beliefs when you're a little too flirtatious with your coworker or you go to your phone for intimacy rather than your spouse, right? Our actions reveal beliefs, even spiritual beliefs. There's something inside of us that causes these actions, these beliefs inside of us that cause these actions, especially with the struggle to be authentic and open and honest. That particular challenge has a belief that's causing it. That's what's going on with the crowd too, this crowd that Jesus calls hypocrites. There's something in their heart that's causing that particular action. He calls them a hypocrite, which is the Greek word actually for actors. He's saying, you all are a bunch of actors which literally was someone who wears a mask. You guys are someone who wears a mask in front of others. What's causing them to, to put this facade out? What causes us to do that? Well, some of it we've already said, right? We know there's this disconnect between what we want to do and what we actually do, but we feel like we have to present an image because we feel like it's not okay that there's that disconnect. We feel like there's something wrong with us, or we have thoughts that, you know, uh, well, other people seem to have it a little more figured out, or, or I'm supposed to be a little better than this, or other people are making so much more progress than us. I, I must be falling short, and so I, must, I have to fake it. There's something like that that goes on in our hearts that causes that, that action. And I think it's pervasive. Like, why is it that so many of us feel this pressure maybe to put forward an image of yourself on social media that's a little maybe more adventurous or outdoorsy or active than you really are? Do you feel and believe that maybe the real you is too boring? Or do you say, I really want somebody to love me for who I am, but how you portray yourself on your dating profile or how you act on your first date is not who you are? What does that say about what you believe about yourself? You see, a lot of these are identity issues, I think. Are we okay with the true us, our true identity? Are we okay with who we are? Because we are, we're messy people. We are fall short all the time kind of people. We are do want to do one thing, but do another thing kind of people. The Bible is even more blunt about it. It says we're sinful people. We've, rebelled from God kind of people. We're evil in our hearts kind of people. So if these things are true, what do we do with it? If it's, if it's a bad fruit to fake it and cover it up, what, what does a good fruit look like? What does a good belief look like? Again, if it's an identity issue and we feel like we need to fake it, we're resting in a sense in our ability, in our our performance, and trying to keep that charade up is like a, a shaky foundation. It's only a matter of time before that house of cards falls down before you're found out. We need a more secure identity. We need a gospel identity. And that's why Jesus now transitions. He starts to talk about foundations. He says, what are you resting in? Are you trying to rest in your flawed record or something more secure? Verse 47, he says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. So when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do, he's like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. So when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Foundations provide stability. Think about in construction, how critical it is for a long-lasting building to stay for years and years and years It's the foundation or a bridge that's gotta cross over a large river and needs a a massive support in the middle to hold it up. You can't just place that support beam on top of the shifting mud of the river. It's gotta be sunk down below the mud to get to the rock, to get to a more sure footing. There's a skyscraper in London called the Shard. It's 1,000 feet tall. And in order for that building to be that tall, to be built up that and still be stable, they actually drilled pilings into the ground 178 feet deep to keep that building up. Solid foundations to build upon. So if you're trying to stand in your record, if you're trying to put up a facade, it's like building a house without a foundation. It's going to collapse eventually. It's going to crumble. It's going to be swept away for the flood. And so as Jesus sees this happening in the crowd, he confronts them, but with loving words, saying, this isn't going to work out for you. There's a better way. There's a more sure foundation. It's this gospel foundation. It's a a gospel identity that you have instead of your identity. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible, again, I said, says a lot about us, it says a couple of things. It says we are flawed, actually way more flawed than we realize. Way worse than a little cleaning up or self-improvement could ever do. So it has some bad news, but it has great news that Christ died for us, those flawed sinners. And so that does actually two things for our identity. The bad things we know were defining us are forgiven. Those sins, those flaws, those shortcomings, they're paid for by Christ. They're not part of our identity anymore. But something else happened. Jesus is perfect. Righteousness, his rightness, his good goodness, his, his perfect obedience, that was given to us. So these two identity exchanges happen. Our bad record gets put on Christ. He's punished for it. His good record is given to us and we're God's beloved now because of it. So that's why we're loved and accepted and good. Not how much we go to the gym, not how much we pray, not how much we don't use our phones. It's because of Christ. So when you post the Instagram picture of your coffee, you don't have to accidentally put the highlighted Bible in the corner so everybody sees that you were reading your Bible that morning. You're not good because of that. You're not good because you read your Bible with your coffee. You're good because Christ declared you good in the gospel. That's the sure foundation. That's the stable bedrock that doesn't move because it's not dependent on you and your actions and how well you lived up to things that day. So when the storm comes... The flood, as Jesus describes it, when your failures come, when, you're, when criticisms for the things you did wrong come, when what you fall short in is revealed, you're not defined by that. You're defined by this de- declaration that happened in the gospel. And so you can stand firm in it. You stand accepted. You stand loved in spite of those shortcomings. So when a mom criticizes you for the way that you're parenting you can stand firm because you know what she says does not define you. You're accepted by God, based not based on your power, parenting pr- prowess, but on what Christ has done for you. So when your kids don't obey you, you know that it's not their respectful attitudes towards you that make you respectable. You stand firm, being declared as one of God's beloved, who's cared for by him. It's our beliefs give us that sure foundation that's the challenge though we have to believe that and i'm not just saying we have to have believed that once when we became christians i mean like this morning right now in your heart you have to believe that for it to work and change you there's this thing called functional unbelief it's where you function as if something's not true you know it's true i know going to the gym is good for me but when i don't go i'm functioning as if i do not believe that or I know that you know, coming home from work and turning on the Xbox and playing for five hours would make me an absent father. But if I go home and turn it on and play, I am functioning as if I don't believe that matters. Functional unbelief. I know prayer matters, but if I don't pray, do I really believe it? I know God will care for me and He's in control of all things. But when I spiral out of control into deep depression and fear because I lost my job... Am I believing that that is true in that moment? It's functional unbelief. I know that I have been forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. There's nothing that I can do that's outside the grace of God. But then when I sin and slip into that same pattern of sin, I feel such deep shame and guilt that I hide myself from God. Do I really believe that in that moment that Christ really died for that sin? I know I'm a sinner. The Bible says that. But if I'm ever accused of doing something wrong, I defend myself. I make excuses. It's hard for me to hear that I, uh, and admit when I'm wrong. Do you really believe what the Bible says about you in that moment? This functional unbelief we struggle with. But eventually, our reactions, our thoughts reveal that belief in us. We can't get away from it, we can't hide from it. So, where is your heart? Where are your beliefs. Where's your identity? Is it resting in the things you're doing or is it resting in Christ's record? And are you seeing that express itself in actions? Here, let me give a personal example to try and pull this idea into real life, this idea about how identity might change the way I react. So for me, my dad was a handyman, still is uh, in my mind. So part of being a good dad and a good father and husband is uh, being handy, being able to fix things around the house. For some reason, I've connected those two things in my head So for me, it's an identity issue. I want to be known as a good dad, so I want to be known as as somebody who fixes something around the house. So now imagine I'm fixing something around the house. My desire is kind of to build a little bit of a record here to be noticed for being a good husband. I'm kind of looking for comments like, wow, honey, I thought we were going to have to call somebody to fix that, but you did it yourself. How manly and husbandly and honorable of you. Or maybe just, I noticed you did that. But what if instead, totally hypothetically of course, you know, you receive comments like, oh, the, those last tiles don't even line up with the other ones, it looks off, or oh, well, you really got grout all over the, uh, the bathtub there. Oh, I wish we could have aligned the cabinets to, to be the perfect same height as the fridge. Oh, I guess I'll have to live with it looking ugly. <laughs> you know, if, that, if I was resting part of my identity in this, wouldn't those comments hurt? It's a little bit of a belief issue. Do you see it? My believing in the gospel right then. Well, my actions, my thoughts betray me. Maybe it's not that I totally forgot about Christ, but I was hoping to add a little bit of good recordness in my handyman. that got taken away from me and it hurt. But if I was resting fully in my identity as one beloved by God, even though I fall short, maybe I could actually hear the comments that were being said. They weren't directed at me or to attack me. They were crooked. It was messy. It wasn't lined up. There's unbelief in my heart that came out in action. So if you're at work, if there's that person on your team who's always late, who slows down the project, who isn't pulling their weight, and you're the project manager and they're always making you look bad because they're not putting things in on time, You're dreaming of ways to fire them. You got to pause and ask, why is it bothering me so much? Is my identity tied to my ability to get the projects done on time? And this guy's getting in the way and he's messing with my identity. He's making me look bad, you know. There could be some identity issues there when we feel this way about the people around us. Are we resting in a self-made identity or in a christ record kind of identity? what do you do? What do you, how do we fix this? Maybe you get it. Okay, you hear me though. It's our hearts, it's our beliefs that are changing the things. So I want to be not so defensive. I don't want to be hurt by criticism so much. How do, how do we work on this? Well, if your lawn stinks because the septic tank is overflowed and it's bubbling up to the surface, you don't call a lawn care person to come make it smell better. You call a plumber or whoever to come fix the septic tank, Right? You go beneath the surface. You go into, for us, not just our actions, but into our hearts, into our beliefs. We focus on cultivating the belief in our heart. If we just hear this message and think Jesus is talking about our actions and wants us to get fake fruit out there, fake actions, regardless of our heart and the motivation, then it's like going to Hobby Lobby, buying some you know, plastic fruit, staple it into your tree and calling it an apple tree. We can't just focus on the actions. We have to go into our hearts. And so fruit can only come out of a good tree with good roots and good soil. It's getting good rain. And a farmer can cultivate the soil. He can tend to the plants. He can, he can water the plants, but he can't force them to grow up out of the soil. So we too, we can cultivate the heart. We can cultivate belief in our heart, but we cannot force the actions to grow. So we can do the same action, but for different reasons. Like going to our, our Bible to read our Bible. We can go to it in a heart cultivation-y kind of way. Or we can go to it in a fake fruit just for the works kind of way. Where we go we go read the Bible because we're supposed to. or We want people to know we do it. That's the kind of just stapling on the behavior. Or we can go to cultivate our hearts. To remember who God is. To see in the scriptures how great our sin is. And from that see how great his salvation is and respond to that. To cultivate belief through going to the scriptures. And you can spend time praying to God. You can talk to him and remember in those times that you need him, that he is there for you, or you can just do it because you're supposed to. There's cultivating ways and there's stapling the fruit on kind of ways. And we have to leave the fruit growing to the Holy Spirit. But we can be very active in the cultivation. Jesus says that he's the vine. It's connection to him that causes the growth. It's it's a relationship with him. So if we cultivate a connection with him, if we remember the grace he shows us today, remembering today and this morning he's beloved in you, we're cultivating belief. So, So good, healthy roots and a strong foundation both have this in common. They go deep. and So our spiritual life too has to go deep with God. It has to be Uh, deep in connection and relationship with him and deep roots take time so be patient with yourself as they grow but the only way they get deep is if they grow inch by inch and year by year so just remaining faithful to that cultivation of belief in our lives is what Jesus is calling us to here so slow down slow down spend time with Christ but also slow down enough to notice your fruit right that's the point of what Jesus is saying your fruit's revealing those areas of functional unbelief so let's look Look back at this last week. Look forward at this week to come. Where where has there been bad fruit? Where have you reacted poorly? What might that be saying about what you believe? Maybe what you believe even about your identity. Through that exercise, will you learn where your reputation was in your your good works, your achievements? Or was it in the gospel? And if you do this, if you really look and become a little bit more observant about these things, you're going to learn... You fail and you come up short a lot more than you realize. But remember in that moment, we don't earn acceptance by the fruit. We go grow fruit by remembering the acceptance. Don't flip those two things around. We, can get, we don't get better at growing fruit, but we can get better at cultivating belief in our heart. We can get better at remembering the gospel every day. That's the simplicity of what Jesus calls us to to believe in him, to cultivate that belief. So let's do that, and let's pray now to God that he would cause that in us. Lord, help us to see the fruit. Help us to show others the fruit of their reactions, and help us then connect that to the unbelief in our hearts. We want to grow in the gospel. Help us to do that, Lord. So give us open ears and open hearts to hear your word. Help us be changed by it this morning and go out from here has changed people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.